welcome Crossroads. Thank you all for being here today. My name is Brian. Um, we welcome you to the church. If you're uh, new here, thank you for coming. With that, we'll go ahead and pray. God, thank you so much for everything. For um, a time of worship um, that we can do, do so corporately and come together in a special time where throughout the day we're called to worship you in sacrificial ways of how we give our time, how we give our energy, and then you call us as a body to come together and worship corporately and build each other up. And that building each other up is through words, it's through songs, it's through our, uh, it's our, our love for each other and between each other. Um, God, help us to know each other so that we can build each other up. Uh, church is, uh, can, can sometimes be um, an environment where it's easy to come together and, and meet new people and form new bonds. And sometimes it's, it's difficult because we're, we're busy and we have, we have lots of things that we're um, trying to get through throughout the weekend and throughout the week. But God, help us to form bonds, help us to knit uh, together, become strong together as a body. Through uh, us being a strong body, God, that helps us then to prove your love to the world. And God, just help us, whatever, whatever we learn, however we're transformed, however we're edified today, help us then to bring that to the world throughout our work week or our time at home or our time out and about in town. Um, any of those things, God, we just praise you for the ability to have a time to worship, a place to worship, um, songs to sing to you, a Bible to to understand you through, and a Holy Spirit that lives in us, that witnesses with our spirit to, to testify of your love. And we pray that everything that we do here this morning, God has pointed to you, it points others to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You did it. From kindergarten until now. Muscling your way through every hard moment, climbing your way up all the mountains that looked too high. You've got a lot to be proud of. You were asked for some inner strength along the way and steady character in challenging circumstances. So here you are, leaving your senior year behind, at the edge of new beginnings, a step toward fulfilling new dreams. So as you go, keep a few things in mind. Don't let others get the best of you. You control your emotions, not other people. Life is about more than making money. It's about making memories. It's about making God famous. And don't forget to call your parents. They worry about you. And remember, you are a treasured life. God formed you out of dust for such a time as this. He lights a path for you and holds you in his hands. May you follow the path God has set before you. May doors be opened before you and roadblocks disappear. And may you always be reminded that nothing is impossible with God. I've got two grandchildren graduating. 
Uh, I had them when I was five years old, my kids, and so uh, the grandkids are, you know, anyway. Uh, congratulations, life ahead. How exciting. You know, by the way, did you know we're all looking for a graduation? He's coming back. We're all going to graduate. You know, so excited about that. Today we're continuing. My name is Bill, by the way. For those of you who I've not met, please let's meet uh, as we go on. We're continuing a series written by a man named James. James was the half-brother of Jesus. We've been, we've been at this like for six weeks, and James has been insulting us consistently every week. And so he's going to continue to insult us today and insult us in a way that challenges us, not embarrasses us or puts us down. This is the introduction that we have to his book, the first words out of James's mouth, remember the half-brother of Jesus. At this time, as he writes this letter, it's one of the first letters written, if not the first letter, written in the New Testament. He's the leader of the church. He's got under him hundreds of churches. He's got tens of thousands of people, Christians scattered throughout the Roman Empire. He's responsible for leadership of that particular group. So he's writing to churches and to individuals about what Christ would request of them, what Christ wants to give them, how Christ wants to use them to change the world. So James starts his letter, James, a servant of God, and and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes, to all of these people dispersed, all the churches, Jews, Gentile, all around the world. First, I, I always point this out, I, I try to point it out, and we should know that these words have meaning. All, some words are so rich. First, it says that, that he is a servant of God, Theos, uh, this infinite being of power. There is a God. And, and oh, by the way, the next word when he talks about Jesus Christ, his half-brother that he grew up with, uh, he says that he's Lord, Curios, which also means who all things belong. He's saying to Jesus, all things belong. And Jesus has the power to decide things. Jesus is Lord, Lord of all. Matter of fact, we're told in, in one passage that every knee will bow, every knee here, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of the Father. Every one of us will have that opportunity to acknowledge him as Lord. He goes on to say, and, and, and his name Jesus. We take it as just a name. It's not only a name, but it's a mission. It's a title. It's who he is and what he did. Jesus, in the original language, means Jehovah Shula. God is salvation. So in his very name, his mission, his purpose, and our hope, is in just in the name of Jesus. You, you hear so often, it's in his name. Salvation. Christ, the Christos, uh, doesn't mean much to us because we kind of put it in place. But to them, the Jews at that time, Jesus came and he was the promised Messiah. The one for thousands of years they had written about and said, this is what he's going to do. He's going to come fulfill these prophecies. And, and when Jesus came, he said, I didn't come to cancel the law. I came to fulfill it. So he's the Christos, the, the Messiah, the anointed one of God. So this is the authority that James speaks with. Now, of course, everything that he said now uh, has been incorporated into the Bible. We have this letter that we're writing is in the Scripture. So it is inspired of God, and it's to us 
a requirement to follow it. So each week, we've been following James on a journey, and James is a direct, blunt, straightforward. It's just, you know, this, these messages, is almost like slap, slap as we go through it, because he's telling us this is the way it is. His, his first one, he said, count it all joy when you hit smucky. Smucky is a, is a Greek term, uh, which really means parismos, uh, th this trial test that takes place. It's stuck in traffic. It's a sickness. It's, it's an injury. It's, it's an insult. It's a, uh, a demotion. At work. It's something that sets us back. It's a trial. He says, when you get a trial, be thankful. That's wacky. He says, but if you look through the trial, God allowed it. God sent it. Or he just plain let Satan do what he's doing for our good so that we might grow up and mature. It's part of a growth process. So the first challenge, he says, hey, trials, good. The next week in our series, we said, he says, where do you get your wisdom? What do you know is true? What do you know is false? Where do you get it? Uh, again, he said, don't look at the world. I, we live in Ridgecrest. The daily independent is not the source of all wisdom and knowledge that's ever been written. What? <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> Google is... Uh, of the internet. No. No. The second week we said, don't, that stuff is man's wisdom. We're told to look for God's wisdom. And so, and, and, and I'd love, we're going to come back to this verse. It says, you adulterous people, friendship with the world, following the wisdom of the world, makes you a friend of the world and an enemy of God. Thanks, James. I feel better now. Uh, secular worldview. Hey, there's no God presupposition, we'll come back to that, and a biblical worldview that, that God ordains and speaks to us through his word. So that, that's the second week. Uh, third week, Brad talked about us, we look at our heart. We, we open our Bible, and God shows us who we are and what we are. He reveals truth. He says that the Bible is like a mirror. And as you read the word, it's, sharp, it's like a two-edged sword piercing us dividing our soul and our spirit. That means our justification and rationalization from the truth. The Bible will do that. That's why, by the way, a lot of people, and sadly many here, don't open the Bible. It's not that we don't know what it says. No, it's, we know exactly what it says, and we don't want to hear it. So the, that's the, the next verse where, where he came at us. Is, is it, uh, he turns, turns around and he talks. The next thing is about impartiality. Be impartial. To when we deal with people, the ground at the cross is level. He says, all races, all cultures, all people, all stand before God. We all stand before God the same, sinners, but saved by grace. It's offered to each and every one of us. So that's the next one. This is the level. This is Billy Graham. The ground at the cross is level for each of us. The next one uh, that we talked about was one of, this is James at his best. He says, demons believe. Demons believe who Jesus is, who God is. They believe all of this. I just started the, the book of James, or excuse me, uh, Mark today, 
and I read, my, I read four chapters in the New Testament, four in the Old each, each day. I read the first four. The first people who were calling out to Jesus, you know, he, he's baptized. God says, this is my son. He's everywhere he goes. The demons are calling. I know who you are. You're the son of God. Demons know exactly who Jesus is, and they quake and shake as we do that. You believe in that God is one? Great. Demons believe that and shudder. Demons believe. Christians obey. James, faith without works is dead. Very clear, cut, dried. James at his best in each of those. Last week, we talked about the power of the tongue. He says the tongue that you have and I have can speak life or it can speak death. We have a choice. And, and, and James goes on to say that if you let your tongue go, it'll start a fire that'll consume and destroy relationships and hurt other people. And everyone in here knows that's true because you've done it. I've done it and you've had it done to you. Some things have been said that, that have marred you. The power of the tongue is, is certainly there. Well, now that we've been insulted for what, six weeks, let's do one more time. Because today's an attitude check. Uh, James takes us aside and he says, by the way, all these quarrels, all these arguments, all of these things inside of the world, I, I used a background that has lightning. Because these quarrels, these, these outbursts inside of ourselves of dissension and strife, it almost sometimes it just comes as a shock. We're, we're driving in traffic and we are so cool. We are listening to the radio. We may have a worship song on and we're doo -doo, hitting it great. And someone cuts you off. Really? You heathen? Get out of my way. I'm, or, more, just as likely, you and your significant other, the one you love a lot, are taking a trip, and they say something that pushes your button, and you go. Some of you may have had that on the way to work or church today. <laughs> Someone may have done that thing. And, but a quarrel, anger. And so we're dealing today with quarrels. What causes quarrels and angers and fight among you? Isn't it the way they treat you? No, it's our passions. It's, and the word passion, by the way, is just, I love the word, uh, hedone, uh, desires for pleasure. Hedon, that's where we get the word heathen or hedonistic. Hedonistic is someone who just wants pleasure. They want it all cool. So uh, our passions, this desire inside of us is hedonistic, uh, self-indulgent in us. Somehow that gets marred, damaged, tarnished. And so we react with anger. You desire and you don't have and you murder and you covet and you don't obtain. You fight and you quarrel. You don't have because you don't ask. We'll come back to that. We don't have. Now, that is a question that you look around the world. Why quarrels? Why arguments? Why division? Why strife? Uh, that's, a, that's an excellent question that, that we're asking today, that, that James is forcing, if you will, to ask. As the head of the church, he's writing a letter to these churches. And if you review or are familiar with the New Testament, what most of the authors of the New Testament writing to these churches, they're saying, look at the division. Look at the strife. Look at the sin inside of your church. Look at the false prophets that you put up with. They're talking he's, the, the, to the churches divided in strife. And by the way, that's the same today. 
Churches are divided inside and outside. Churches don't talk to other churches. Doctrines spread us apart, split us apart. Uh, in each of these things, there's quarrels, there's dissension. James is the leader of the church. It's his responsibility to bring together Jews, Gentiles. He's better to bring together all. Oh, if a letter was, he would want to bring together Republicans and Democrats. He would want peace in these things. So, but we look at the world, and that's not what we see. We see our nation divided. We see quarrels, conflicts uh, inside and outside of churches, denominations, quarrels between people, obvious in the world, conflicts, wars. We have an active war going on right now in Ukraine. We focus on that, but we forget every day. There's people, our troops are putting on their armor, going out into dangerous situations where bullets fly and people die. That's the reality of our world. There's another war starting in Kosovo right now that, that, that could eclipse Ukraine. There's just stuff, quarrels, people fighting. That's bad. What's worse, look at the families. We, we've, we've come to a place where parent and children are, are so divided at times. But even we look inside of some relationships, divorce, dissension, anger. These people, we've committed our lives, and yet quarrels, anger, divorce, pain comes out of that. So why? That is the question. Why division strife? Why lightning bolts coming through our lives? What causes or contributes to these? Well, getting ready for this and... At 12 verses, James lays it all out for us as, as we go on. What's the deal on that? Getting ready for today, I figured it out. I broke the code. So I'm going to tell you what the problem is. It's me. I'm a sinner. I hurt other people. I say things I don't want to say. I do things I don't want to do. I am the problem. People react to my sin. And I react to other people's sin. I'm the problem. So if you want to resolve all the issues in the world, just get rid of me. Oh, 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 wait, there's more. Now, wrap up your fluffy little high self-esteem blanket. Because the rest of the problem is you. Quarrels, anger, disputes, dissension. Don't just appear. People do them. You do them. I do them. We may take a corporate form of uh, wars. It may be political parties fighting each other, and we pick our sides and be very vocal about our opinion. It may be in the city. It may be where? It may be here in Crossroads. Maybe some people are sitting on this side because that person's sitting on that side. We have cults. Where does this come from? It comes from our heart. It comes from something deep inside of us. And James is, for the rest of the time, he's just going to be pulling it back inside of us. But he, he, he gives a problem, and we're going to try and face this a bit today. Because uh, it's one you desire, you don't have, you murder, you can't, you fight, uh, you don't have. You ask. We pray. We pray. We stand in front of the holy God. We pray. We lay out our issues to him. But he turns around and he says, but you don't receive. Huh? Because you ask wrongly. 
to spend it on your own passions. What? We're selfish. We take our prayers selfishly into the Holy of Holies and we lay them before God. And he lovingly looks at those and he says, check your attitude, buddy. Or buddyette, I don't know what you call a girl. Check your attitude. Is this selfish? Is this self-seeking? Is this unholy brought into the holy? It is. It can't. He says, I don't hear. It doesn't work. Verse Isaiah 59, it's, it starts out with this great, wonderful promise. It says, the arm of the Lord is not so short that he cannot save, neither is his ear so dull that he cannot hear. But your sins have made a separation between you and your God, and he can't hear. That's what we're saying here. So we're going to unpack, as uncomfortable as it is, James opened the basket so we're going to be talking about all of that taking place in 2023. This is today. We can't live and deal and come before God and point out other people's stuff. Because we, in, 20, in 2023, by the way, there's some things that have happened in our country. We've become divided along racial lines. We've, the system of the government, the other people fix the other. But our prayers is to fix the other person. We go before God and, and we start laying out our, our division and our strife, but we don't go and do what we should do first, is we say, Lord, show me what I did. We go before God with a list of complaints about what the other person did. Fix them. Democrats are praying daily for me. Fix the Republicans. The Republicans are praying daily. Fix the Democrats. We got to get Biden and Trump straight so we can have a future. All the prayers are over there. You know, one of the interesting things is, and this happens too often in a counseling situation, someone will come in. Uh, they will have a, something against their mate and someone they love dearly. And he says, I have prayed and I have prayed that God will fix them. Not in the, that sense. Fix them in the moral, relational sense. Have them stop doing that. That's a sin. Well, excuse me. We're, picture it again. We're standing in the Holy of Holies before God. And we're gossiping. We're talking about someone else. We're talking trash about them. Just for, just for future prayers, God does not gossip. You want to shut down that communication? Start gossiping in front of God, telling them how bad the other person is. Or worse yet, I've had people actually come as if they've heard from God what the, everyone else's problem is, including me. Yeah, it happens, and it's happened to you. You may need, They may not have said, God said, you're, but that's what they're saying. Prayers before God is this holy meeting where, where we can solve problems, but we start with ourselves. If we're before God and we're, we're trying to fix someone else, it's a prayer that's not going to be heard. It, it's going to be heard. Okay, God hears everything, but he hears the heart. Relational strife, 
all the strife, every, all the quarrels, everything else. If you're going to hear something, he's going to be telling us, me and you, how we can change ourselves. If marriages would hear that and they'd get to work on themselves, we'd have a different deal. So uh, where do these come from? How do we overcome them? That's what today is about. Today's good news. But first, we have to recognize where the quarrels come from. They come from Satan. Everyone here, say, you know, blame, the devil made me do it. Uh, for those of you who are young, there was a comedian called Flip Wilson that used to say that all the time. Our battle is against the evil forces of darkness and wickedness that, that, that loom in the heavenly places and here on earth. Oh, and in me and in you. You know, the, we put on the whole armor of God so we can stand against the schemes of the devil. James comes in to help us. Therefore, it says, uh, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Better yet, there's a verse in, in uh, Ephesians that says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. If you're you walked in today and you're packing heat against someone else, well, you're, first off, you're committing murder. Well, I'll let that go. But, but what you've done is when you let the sun go down, you're asking Satan to come into your heart, into your relationship, into your life. Those are powerful words that are being said there. So uh, resist the devil. He will flee from you. Uh, you double-minded. We'll come back to the double-minded again. That was from the second week in this series. God is opposed to the proud, gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself before God. Resist the devil and his, because here's the devil. He's the one that's pointing out what the other people are doing. When God points, he points to our heart. He says, let me help you here, not other people. So resist uh, the devil. Humble yourself before God. Uh, flee. Flee from the junk. Draw near to God. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded sinner rat dogs. Thanks, James. I feel better now. It's us. That's the point. It's us in the spiritual battle that we're in. We all sin. We all fall short. Now, here's, here's good news, bad news. We're going to be controlled by somebody. As we walk into this battlefield, you know, the, the, we're controlled by who we love and who we believe. We said earlier that there's, there's two sources. There's the, the source of God and the other source. It says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity toward God? We did this verse uh, already, but you've got to point it out. Who are we listening to? You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be the friend of the world is an enemy of God. We're familiar with the concept and the idea. It's very straightforward. God says you'll have no other gods before me. You'll have no idols. You'll have nothing else entering into your heart. Now, to understand our relationship with God and how he sees it, he sees it as an intimate union. And he compares our relationship with God, our spiritual relationship with God, to a physical relationship in marriage. Throughout the Old and New Testament, God sees it as this romantic, true, 
love relationship between himself or Jesus and us, his people, to the, to the, to the extent, if you will, of marriage, that deep intimacy. Uh, Brian mentioned several times when he was doing the announcements the word worship. One of the Jewish definitions of the word worship is a movement to kiss. Think about that. When we come before God, when we, when we pray, are we making a movement to kiss? Is it intimate, personal? Is that, is that us? So, because that's this, if we, if that's it, if we want to be a friend of the world and not got intimacy. You see, he sees sin as spiritual adultery. The Old Testament was just full of this. Whenever they went out and worshipped their false gods and everything else on their hills and different places, or even in the temple they had the false god, it's adultery. He sees us, us as cheaters, as having an illicit affair, a secret affair with someone else. Those here who have suffered through are the, the, the damage of affairs, whether it's with a person or with pornography or whether it's a mental just romantic connection with people, that's all adultery. It's all adultery against God. We sin against the holiness of our union with God. And, and the thing is, what we stand up, and I say this too much, maybe, but our relationship in a marriage is 100% love. I... I, I, I I give the example, no one's going to stand up at a marriage and say, I promise to love, honor, and respect you and obey you 99% of the time. 3.5 days a year, you go do what you want. You see, but that's how many Christians live today. Except, unfortunately, it comes to a lot more than 1%. We become lukewarm. Sin, who cares? Watching that, listening to that, seeing, thinking that, responding in quote, come on. Oh, that's adultery. That's a breach of love with the one who died for us. No, this is, this is James, thanks. Uh, coming at us again, no idols before us, adultery, more like, more like us, an adulterous, an intimate alliance of God with the people of Israel was likened to marriage. Those who relapse into idolatry are said to commit adultery or, or play the harlot. Jesus in the Old Testament many times said, whoring after other gods. Whoa. The word that God is a jealous God, people get offended because God is a jealous God because we see jealousy as a bad thing. And for you and me, it is. Because in a typical relationship, jealousy is one of the fruit of the flesh that we use against someone else. I'm jealous of them, so I'm going to control them. I want all their affection coming. It has nothing to do with them. It has everything to do with me. I want all of them. I want it, me, 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 because it's me. I don't care about them. I want it all. See, when God is jealous, yes, he wants all of our affections, but not for his good, for ours. Because he knows as soon as we start compromising, it's a slippery slope into pain in our lives and everyone else's lives. 
So he's jealous. This, this, this kana is the word. Kana, God is kana for us and our affections. Totally wanting to draw them to him. For our good, not for his. So this is, who controls this? And we have two choices. Going to touch this quickly because we've, we've covered this terrain before. I appeal to you, and this is God's appeal to us, uh, by the mercies of God to present our bodies, this is our marriage to Christ, as living sacrifices. When we come to Christ, we come as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him. That's our reasonable, rational service of worship. There's a God we should lay our lives down before him. And don't be conformed to this world. In other words, as we think, think as God thinks. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. That we might know what the will of God is, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. That's why, you're, that's why I'm here. That's why I get up in the morning and read, the, I want to change my mind. I want to put on God. I don't want a secular worldview, a presupposition that denies all evidence in the existence of God. And super, I, I want a biblical worldview. But let me just do, this, do the secular for just one moment here. You know, a lot of people say, I'm a scientist. I believe in facts. I'm a scientist. The first thing they do is rule out all evidence of a supernatural God or creator. That's not science. That's religion. So when they, they go look at all this, I've got to explain the existence of life, everything else without God. What they're doing is professing a religious belief. That there is no God. Obviously, a biblical worldview is a presupposition to recognize the existence of God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and their supernatural influence. Let's break it down just a little bit more because uh, we do this quite often. There's the goofy trains. Uh, in our goofy trains, Christ Christians follow the facts. We did this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, there's facts that support Christianity. It's built on clear, objective evidence. And it's in the scripture. It's inspired by God. You know, we, I was, I talk to people often and I got a Bible on the table. Wait, you think I'm a Christian or something? But I point to it and I say, that's true. That's truth. And I can prove it's true. And so it's, some of his word is truth. It's inspired, it's inerrant, it's immutable. It's authoritative. When God says it, we are responsible to believe it and to do it. Faith without works is dead. So that's, that's one side of this. Now, on the other side, there's a secular kingdom that, that lives and moves in, in 2023. Uh, we're seeing more and more of the culture being taken over by man's feelings. We've been training kids since 1960 to base their truth on their personal feelings base their morals on what they think is right. You see, everyone's eating the apple. Because when you eat the apple, you decide what is right and what is wrong, not God. And we live in a culture that has eaten the apple. I love apples, by the way. Uh, but uh, in this case, it's what gives us this personal empowerment to decide what is right and wrong ourselves. So this is this is, what, this is the truth that's out there. Facts, that doesn't matter. What matters is what we feel about the facts, what we feel about what's out there. So that's 2023. And by the way, I suggest 
that you, you get become aware because the culture is more and more hostile. It's more and more hateful toward Christians. Uh, I, I'm reading a book, faith, I brought it up, Faithfully Different. Uh, I encourage you, if, you, if you want to read a real clear picture of the contrast between secularism and Christianity, right there. We, as I, I said this last night, I have to be careful. Uh, we're going to have a series called Ask It. We do Ask It messages. Many of you have been to them where you just ask questions. We're going to do an Ask It series where we're gathering questions from the community. We're building a series. So we, it ended up being posted on a website, went, went out, and you won't believe the hatred for the church and for you and me, if you call yourself a Christian, that poured out on those websites. After four hours, we took it down. Dion took it down. We had all the information, hundreds of responses, of that the church is the problem. Christians are the problem. You, we see a hostile environment. It, truly, biblical worldview Christians are down to less than 3%. In our culture. So, so let me see, my math tells me that that's 97% of the people who don't have the same worldview. And they're getting more militant in canceling culture. Even those who call themselves Christians are deconstructing. We're being canceled as we go. I'm going on. Okay, now that's out there. Let's look inside. Before we get out of here, I got to look inside. The, the, the truth is that there's something in you and me that we really have a battle to fight inside of ourselves. You know, it, it, it turns, submit yourself to God, resist the devil. Oh, if you have bitter, jealousy, selfish ambition in your hearts, don't boast. You see, we're told that inside of us is still a sinful nature. It's called our flesh. I still want to eat more ice cream than I really should eat. I don't know if there's a daily minimum quota, but I try and make that every day when I can. This, this inside of us, this, this desire really to do evil, to indulge ourselves, to, to be selfish, to be lustful, to have it, that's inside of us. You don't have to get a kid and teach them to be selfish. You don't have to teach a toddler to be self-focused and wanting to be in control. They're, they're born with that mission to make life all about them, not they're still innocent until they make a decision later. But they are little sinners, little, little smaller additions of sinners. That's the most important, one of the most important parenting tricks or knowledge. You say, they're sinners, and you've got to teach them as you do that. So inside of us, bitter, jealousy, selfishness, uh, the fruit of the spirits, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, and self-control. Fruit of the flesh, listen to this, we're talking about quarrels, right? Fruit of the flesh, division, anger, Strife, dissensions, enmity, factions. Does that sound like quarrels? Yeah, that's the fruit of the flesh. When, we, when a nation gives themselves over or a world gives themselves over to Satan, that's what you see. And sadly, that's what we look at. Uh, we're at war. We're quarreling. Now, now we're going to uh, give you the secret bullet. For those of you who may not be familiar with the silver bullet, this is the one that we're going to shoot right. How to stop quarrels? Stop judging. Stop judging. 
James is, is brutally friendly, honest, and in our face. Humble yourself. Don't exalt yourself. Don't speak evil against anyone else. You speak evil against them. You know, you, you're against the law and judges. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer. It's just be a doer of the law, not a judge of someone else. And so this is James, his half-brother Jesus. I think he's, I think he's stealing his brother's stuff. His own, because this is what Jesus says, judge not that you be judged. For the judgment that you pronounce, you'll be judged. This judge not, you may be, that by the way, that used to the most popular memorized known verse was John 3, 16, for God shall love the world, that's out. Today, judge not. The world, the secular world is saying judge not. Why? Because they don't want to be judged because they know they're wrong. So they build this, Christians are all judgmental and we're not sure, by the way, we'll come to that uh, later as we go. No. The Bible is its own clear standard of right and wrong. We don't, we don't have to judge other people. So if you want to stop quarrels, stop judging them. Because you have to make a decision that the other person is wrong. You have to stand before the holy God and say, that person's wrong. And you can give all your lists and all your examples and all your evidence, but the bottom line is you're judging. That's not our job. What's, why can't we judge? Why? 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 We can't see their heart. You can't see mine. I can't see yours. That person, your biggest enemy, put them up there. You don't know their heart. Let's stir everybody up and get really fired up. Putin. We can look at his actions. We can look at all the things that are going on, the death that's coming out of him, but we don't know his heart. All the evidence is, but that's God's job. When, when we all die, and Putin included, Stalin included, Trump, Biden, you, me, everybody, we're going to stand before a holy God, and he's going to judge. We're told that the judge is standing at the door. We live in a culture where we're winding down. There should be no surprise that when I say all the evidence and signs show that Jesus is coming soon. The judge is at the door. We're all going to see him. That is the day when he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. Or he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. Jesus is the judge, not us. You want to stop the dissensions? arguments and fights. Stop judging. Love them as sinners like us. Look for ways that when we stand before God, don't bring them as something that needs to be repaired. Open up and say, Lord, search me and know my heart and my anxious thoughts. And if there's any hurtful way in me, show me, lead me in the everlasting way. You want to stop quarrels? Stop them in here. That's how we do that. Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, thank you, thank you that we can stand before holiness and open our hearts to you. We can stand before truth and hear you tell us the truth. Lord, in this world that we live in, please, please forgive each and every person here
forgive me for the times that I judge, that I hold against, that I respond and pack heat against anyone else. Thank you that you'll continue to lead and guide. Pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Amen.